G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Uh, Talking around issues of compassion for those who are hungry around the world. This coming Saturday is World Food Day, so a good opportunity today to get a handle on developments in global hunger. And as the COVID crisis rages around the world, it appears to have exacerbated all the factors that drive global hunger, not just because people are ill and dying, but because food systems have been compromised, livelihoods have been destroyed, and civil unrest is on the rise. Now, it's estimated that around the world there's more than 800 million people suffering from chronic hunger. So how do we fit into the picture as consumers, perhaps as farmers, food companies, governments, to address world hunger. We're connecting with the Christian charity Feed the Hungry today, who've been distributing food for 30 years and in the past year have been operating in something like 23 nations. Ben Evans is the CEO at Feed the Hungry, and Ben is joining us through the coming hour. Ben, a special welcome along to 2020. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a great opportunity to have a, a conversation about hunger because uh, it's such an important thing in the world today. It is, and uh, very easy to switch off the radio, switch off the TV, and try and hide yourself away from some of the big problems. <laughs> I mean, we've got our own problems here, lots of families, lots of challenges in various states and territories all around Australia. But on the big picture, the global perspective here, 800 million hungry people in the world uh, I mean, you know, how do you assess that sort of number? Give us an insight on how you are, how you even, you know, it's a, it's so huge. Eight hundred million hungry people in the world. How do you think about that, Ben? Yeah, that, I mean, it's a staggering number. I mean, if the Australian population is less than, uh, you know, less than thirty million, we're really talking about thirty times the population of Australia. We're talking about if you could count thirty of your friends, and each one of them would not have enough food to eat. The, the 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 level of hunger that they would go to bed not eating and thinking tomorrow when I wake up for breakfast, uh, I don't know if I'm going to find another meal. We're talking about that kind of hunger. And I, I think he said a, a great word there, perspective. Uh, I remember back to my youth group days when our, our youth leader was speaking at the, at the Sunday service and he always talked about perspective and he held up a five-cent coin and, and held it in front of his eyes, you know, if you put that little thing in front of your eyes, that's all you can see. But in the scheme of things, that five cents is really nothing. So sometimes we we get uh, so focused on first world problems, but there are actually much larger problems in the world today. We can enlarge some more on those problems that are exacerbated even by COVID as it's ravaging the world. But World Food Day, it's this weekend, this coming Saturday, I think it is, and uh, it's... Yeah, that's right. UN World Food Day, and they're calling for better production, better nutrition, 
a better environment and a better life for all. So how does, how does their driving this uh, give some sort of impetus uh, for a ministry like yours? Yes, I mean, of course, better nutrition is the heart of Feed the Hungry. But let's look at those other aspects, better production, better environment. Um, so much of the production of our food and the consumable items that we take has an impact on the environment. So if we can encourage and if we can uh, shop, so you use our consumer power, but if we can encourage business to use better uh uh, business practices in producing their food, producing their items, it's going to have a better impact on the environment. And that flow-on effect is going to impact the very uh, people that are struggling with hunger because I think it's a 30% of the world's food is produced by small farmers, it's not the large corporations that are producing it, but it's actually these small farmers. So when we make good decisions about what we eat and what we consume, it's going to have that flow-on effect through there. But of course... For, for Feed the Hungry, it's about nutrition. And it's really simply the idea, you can eat a big bag of hot, greasy chips from your local fish and chip shop, and that's going to fill you up. But it's not really going to deal with uh, the real hunger that's inside of you. And so nutrition is really important important part of that. Um, but we can, we can really do, we really can make that difference in the world today by just by how we eat food and making sure that we... Uh, waste food unnecessarily. Uh, there are simple things that we can do. I imagine that every family has this, in some sense, responsibility in passing on to our children, to a, a new generation, some sort of ideal about what is good to be able to support those who are hungry in the world. And, uh, you know, we all might have grown up in a family where our Parents said, you know, well, you know, you should eat those vegetables and whatever because there's some hungry children down at the end of the block who'd just love to have those right now. Well, uh, passing on these values to a new generation, this is an important part, no doubt, of certainly the Christian responsibility in talking about hunger. <laughs> I know that uh, when my mom said that to me, I said, I'll happily donate my brothers. Yes. Please take them. <laughs> yes. Where can I send them? Uh, but, it's, uh, you know, my wife is Chinese. Uh, when we... When we celebrate uh, family gatherings, it's always at our house and my mother-in-law who lives with us, uh, the heart of the host is to have more than enough food. So, you know, you want to have leftover food. That's that kind of idea because that's a good host because if your guests come and all the food is eaten and they're just sitting around going, you know, what am I going to do? You feel bad as a host. But we're really talking about day-to-day living and it's just about thinking through... um, I think it's an idea for us as Christians. We are always called to be good stewards of the resources that we have. And so we can make good decisions about what we eat and what we wear and what we buy. That's um, uh, sustainable. And I know that that pressure that we're always looking for the bargain. Again, my wife, Chinese, if I don't get a good bargain, I am a dishonor to my family and to the ancestors above me. So I am constantly encouraged to shop well. But... Uh, You know, when we look at purchasing things, perhaps it's a $4 T-shirt from Kmart or Target or one of those kind of stores, is that really good for the environment? Is that, if it's only costing $4 to buy it, considering all the the aspects that are involved in selling it, how much are the people who produce those kind of items getting out of it? And so perhaps maybe we don't go for the cheapest item. Maybe we go for the the best item in, in that sense of, 
something that's less impactful or better for the environment. Because after all, and I know it's hard to say this, but after all, we're just talking about money. You know, maybe $4 uh, you need to do that because that's the level of your uh, livelihood at this point. But no one's asking us to stay there. We're, we're asking for God to bless us to, to grow. And so at some point, we can make decisions that will be better for the environment, not just for us. I want to invite our listeners to join into our conversation today. And it might even be around how you actually express the sorts of values we're talking about. We're going to be talking more about global hunger, but you've gotten onto all sorts of uh, sustainable issues and and the ways that we might think about fair trade and uh, people who are making the clothing that we're wearing. And, and it's not going to be all around those things today, but for listeners today, to join into our conversation, you might have some insights into the sorts of things you think about within your own family or how you've raised your family to appreciate better that there are some others on the horizon beyond ourselves because it's so easy to be insular and to look at our own issues, our own problems, to enjoy our own prosperity without looking at others who might be in greater need than we are. So uh, 1-800-316-316 for listeners to join into our conversation. Uh, We're talking about hunger though and uh, the uh, Feed the Hungry uh, ministry that you're leading, Ben, I mean, you mainly focus on feeding children, don't you? Because uh, it's children who are the ones who really notice the hunger the most. Give us some insights into how you work with children. Uh, yeah, that's right. We, uh, we, we think of ourselves as a small charity, uh, whether others do or not. So we're always making sure that we have the most impact with the resources that we, we give. So uh, we do some work in disaster relief, and so a good example is uh, if everybody is working in the main city, then let's go out of the city and find those unreached groups. Let's find those gaps. So we want to make sure that the resources that we have, that we're making the most impact with that. And so in a simple way, uh, we started this feeding program about 10 years ago, uh, and it actually provides hot and nutritious meals to children in a school environment. And we just think that partnership is so important because when you provide a regular hot and nutritious meal, you, you're dealing with those really basic health needs for the child that has a flow and effect of reducing the burden on the parents to provide for them. But when we do it in a school environment, it encourages and enables and makes it possible for children to come and get an education. And <laughs> unlike my teenage children who sometimes struggle with the motivation for learning, you find that when you're uh, in desperation and in, in that level of poverty, you actually are doing everything you can to get out of it. But you are really motivated to, to learn and to get an education because it gives you opportunities uh, other than breaking rocks all day in the sun uh, with hardly any breaks, that manual hard labor. But it gives you opportunities for higher paid income so that you can look after your family. And I always love, sorry, I always love speaking to the children because <laughs> the reason for those income, uh, higher income jobs is not for personal benefit, but so that they can bless their community. I want to be a doctor so I can help my friends and my family. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about global hunger today, getting a grip on just how significant hunger is around the world. 
Our special guest is Ben Evans. Ben is the CEO at Feed the Hungry, and they're operating in something like 23 nations, been uh, distributing food for 30 years. Ben, before we take some calls, let me ask you about uh, the, uh, the exacerbated effect of hunger because of COVID, because COVID has been ravaging nations around the world, and especially in those developing nations where it hasn't been as easy to try and tackle uh, the challenge of the spread of COVID. Uh, let's talk about some of those things. Uh, what difference has COVID made, generally speaking, from your perspective? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's World Food Day uh, this week, and so they're an organisation that is really looking at issues on a global scale. Sometimes we look at things on our neighbourhood scale or in our city scale, sometimes even our country. Uh, but the UN is looking at uh, you know, as much research, much information we can at, at, on a worldwide level. And so they're the ones that are estimating uh, that right now 800 million people do not have enough food to eat. And unfortunately, those estimations are getting larger and larger every year. Uh, uh, it's grown by 10 million in, in one year um, because we are kind of losing that fight against hunger. You know, we, there is a goal zero hunger by 2030. That's a, a goal from the UN to get organizations to come together. But we're actually heading the wrong way. The number of people struggling with hunger is actually getting larger every year. It's increasing by 10 million. The problem is we're estimating that because of COVID, that number has skyrocketed to 160 million. So where we were 10 million every year before, COVID is actually making the situation so much worse. So the, the families around the world are dealing with ordinary, ordinary regular things like climate change, uh, just dealing with seasonal impacts where there's not enough rain this year or too much rain. Uh, in some places, they're dealing with civil uh, they're dealing with civil unrest in terms of a destabilized government. Uh, maybe there's a coup or a, another country has invaded them. Those sort of issues. But now, on top of that, we're dealing with COVID, and we understand COVID. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of uh, conversations around the idea of COVID, but the best defence against an infectious disease is isolation. But for these people in developing countries, isolation is uh, a very difficult thing to deal with. Well, as you say, 160 million uh, who are undernourished, and that's directly associated with COVID. It was already hunger was on the rise, 10 million a year. Uh, but mm. with COVID, it's gone up 16 times that uh, to 160 million uh, in this past year. And I imagine, and just let me just touch on this for a moment, and we'll talk about you know how your ministry functions and operates shortly, but I imagine that support for Feed the Hungry hasn't risen 16 times in the last year, but uh, the problem's gotten 16 times bigger. Yes, that's the problem. And, and I think that if I can say it this way, that is the relief of being uh, part of a Christian organization because we're not relying on man. You know, that's the Bible encouragement to always. Don't rely on your chariots. Don't rely on your swords. We pray to God. Prayer is an important part of every day of our, our the way that we operate because we are relying on God to, to make that the difference. And so we just do what we can. We, we look at what we have and we keep going forward. But we, of course, we need more help. We are taking calls. You might have a contribution to make to our conversation today. You might have a question or a comment or even a critique. 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from David in Logan in Queensland. Hi, David. Welcome along. Oh, hi. How are you? Very well, David. What are your thoughts? 
Um, I'm just wondering, is there anything else um, that you're doing for these people? Because I, I understand that um, it's in, important to feed them, um, but I'm wondering, are these people just going to be stuck in the line at their local soup kitchen, or is there more more that you can offer them to maybe, um, you know, to... Uh, to um, sort of better themselves. Uh, David, good thought, because there's a basic feeding of the hungry and then there's what you might do to enhance the life and the welfare of people like that. Uh, ben, your thoughts for David? Yeah, it's, a, it's an important question. Uh, you, you, we've all heard that phrase, uh, if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for today. If you give him a fishing rod, you'll feed him for life. Uh, so we, we take that on board. Of course, the idea is uh, in most cases, we're not talking about fishing, we're talking about farming. <laughs> farming is a long-term uh, situation. So it's really important to feed people today, but we want to give them that opportunity to better their life. So through the feeding the children uh, through a school environment, we are creating uh, a better future for them. We, we kind of talk about a full life, uh, a full belly, uh, getting an education uh, kind of gives that full soul, um, but also for us as a Christian organization, we want to talk about Jesus because we want to deal with the, the other hurts, the other issues that are a part of that uh, spirit life of them. So we want to give them a full life. So feeding is important, but education is also important. But also, of course, we want to tell them about Jesus because he loves them. Uh, we see uh, as a Christian organization that we, we feel a, a biblical responsibility to respond to this injustice of hunger because it's not right that people are, are struggling, that we there are an uneven distribution of food where perhaps in Australia we have too much and people in Africa have too little. So we should share with them, but we want to do it in a way that uh, glorifies God. That, that's always our way. So children are getting an education. We see that as part of their future. Um, and we're also, uh, we've just been doing in the last couple of years, scholarships to, to provide further education uh, for them. David in Logan, thanks so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own insight to offer. 1-800-316-316. I mentioned a couple of the nations that you're working in out of the 23, uh, Myanmar and in Afghanistan. And uh, for a lot of listeners, uh, those nations, uh, front and centre, just recent major developments in Myanmar, a military coup, and that sent the country into all sorts of chaos and of course uh, Afghanistan with the rise of the Taliban uh, that's upset everything and a whole in, an entire economy so uh, those two nations have been quite a significant focus for you Ben Yes that's right uh, uh, Myanmar or Burma uh, if you're old school <laughs> they kind of both work um, uh, we've been working in, in that country for many years but through this particular situation uh, refugees are fleeing to the edges of the country and so we've been working with uh, several different groups to provide food to the refugees. Uh, they've literally uh, dropped whatever they had and ran as far, far as they could, uh, but still being pursued uh, by by the the military. And uh, I've I've seen images, I've seen reports of uh, mothers and families uh, because the men have left to form some sort of security force to protect them. Um, but the women and children left behind are, are digging bomb, bomb shelters in the dirt 
because uh, there are military planes flying over. It's a, it's a terrible situation. They're in the middle of nowhere, it's very difficult to get to. Um, but we're working with people who are able to get food to those who need it most in, in those areas. And Afghanistan, it's just heartbreaking, uh, the, the situation that's going on there. You know, we've worked so hard uh, to bring change into that situation. We just see it like a computer, Control-Z, undo. You know, it just feels like we're going backwards. And uh, the refugee situation in that area is just awful. Uh, we are working with um, uh, um, uh, groups in, in that country. Uh, we are working in neighbouring countries for the re- uh, where the refugees are getting there. And we just continue to speak... I, the, the the heart for me for Afghanistan, it comes back to Isaiah 60, you know, arise and let your light shine. This, this is my prayer over that country, that God's light will shine in that area. And um, we just continue to, to respond as best as we can, making sure that we get food to those who need it most. I wonder if you're able to let us in on whether there is a welcome mat at the door for nations like Afghanistan uh, or in Myanmar, and uh, perhaps uh, more in Myanmar than Afghanistan. But when you're a Christian ministry uh, welfare organisation like Feed the Hungry, I mean, there would have been real chaos uh, at the time of the Taliban taking power, are things settling in? Are they open to organisations like yours that want to actually help the people? Um, uh, yes, yeah, this is a good question. Our, our, our friends, if I can say that way, in Afghanistan um, have met with the local Taliban leaders. They have an understanding. Uh, there's uh, an openness uh, to, to allow them to continue the humanitarian work that they're doing. Uh, so we're just, again, waiting uh, in the short term uh, for the next few weeks to see that it does settle down so that we can begin the large-scale you know, transportation of uh, containers into the country, again, sending what we call the fortified rice meals, which are highly nutritious. Uh, so, that, But it's important um, to work. I guess that's my heart, is there is an element that we have to work with that system so getting those assurances that it won't be stopped at the border, it won't be held up, it won't be stolen or you know misplaced. So uh, we, we are confidently but slowly working towards um, that uh, large-scale distribution in there. And, you know, we have to be upfront in who we are. Uh, you know, we're a Christian organisation, but the common language is the humanitarian aid that we are providing. And uh, that's really important for us. And when you've got a situation in nations, and uh, you know we're focusing a little bit here on Afghanistan and on Myanmar, Burma, uh, where you've got a military control and there's like a persecution of everyone who isn't on their side. Uh, you've mm. got livelihoods disrupted. Uh, farming comes to a halt. You've got people fleeing for their lives. When you've got people fleeing for their lives because of civil unrest, uh, then that leads to all sorts of desperation when you have nothing to eat. And so no doubt uh, even the usual crime statistics uh, would be on the rise. No one is safe uh, if people are desperate for something to eat. Yeah, I, it sounds silly, but uh, even here in Sydney, you know, at my office, you, you go through your routine of preparing your, your meal, your lunch at home, 
Um, but for whatever reason, you've left it on the kitchen bench and you come into the office and you realise, oh, no, I've forgotten my lunch. And then uh, it just cons- consumes my day. You know, here I am, I've been well fed. I've had three meals the day before. I've had a whole week of being fed. But simply the idea of missing one meal just really distracts me and I, it's hard to concentrate. You know, I'll go up to the fridge and go, maybe there is something behind that bottle of water, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you have to imagine what it's like to go to bed hungry and knowing that there's nothing, there's no Uber Eats coming in the morning to, to bring some, uh, you know, some a breakfast meal. Ben, there's an obvious question that people ask when you talk hunger. And it's the question, is there a lack of food in the world that people are hungry? What do you say when that question is asked? Uh, I absolutely think so, that uh, we're really dealing with the question of we have food here, we just needed to get it there. Um, when organisations like the UN have a look at the uh, the world view, they're trying to estimate what things are happening in the world, they think uh, about a third of the of the food produced in the world is actually wasted. And some of it is wasted at the dinner table or in the bin after dinner, but also uh, some of that is wasted in, in the way that we, we collect it or produce it. So there's certainly uh, an unequal distribution of food that is something that we can deal with. And while we're not all running corporations uh, like Microsoft or, or something like that, uh, there are small steps that we can take uh, at the home every day that will have that flow-on effect. And so just by reducing wastage, um, it, it ensures a, a better impact on, on the environment. Uh, when we do our work with Feed the Hungry, we have highly nutritious food, we, but it's here. We just need to get it there. And so that's where uh, supporting charities helps. Uh, There's all sorts of things in different dimensions. Uh, Sometimes there's an aspiration economically in Australia to become a food bowl for, say, Southeast Asia and some of the nations uh, uh, to our north. Uh, There's all sorts of ways that you can be thinking about how you might alleviate hunger, and one of those might be uh, to, you know, enhance your own production if you're a primary producer, and there'll be some of those listening to our conversation today. Is there some special ways you like to think of people who are involved in food industries as, as to how they might, you know, uh, you know, grow their operations to be even more fruitful and, and to be able to help people uh, not, not beyond our shores? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I can say, when we were working in developing countries overseas, we are providing food today through these cooked meals. But uh, more recently, we've been trying to help them uh, with uh, learning about agriculture. And so we developed this program, Farming God's Way. Uh, it, the, the simplest explanation for it is just to involve God in, in that process. Uh, it's very important for me as our, our work here at Feed the Hungry to involve prayer, to involve God through our prayer. And so we can do that um, uh, in our business, in, in, in our agriculture. So uh, if you are a primary producer or if you're a, a business that produces products, uh, of course, the first step has to be ask God to bless the business so that you have excess, that you have capacity to do it. I met a, a farmer on the border of New South Wales and, and Victoria who, after meeting with me, actually dedicated one of his paddocks and said, I'm, I'm dedicating this paddock for Feed the Hungry and it's going to be used in, in that way that we're going to grow food and, and do that. So maybe there's a way that you can consecrate 
or dedicate a portion of your business for that purpose. And just ask God to bless it. It's amazing when you get God involved, he actually responds. You know, he does answer your emails, if I can say it that way. And certainly we can get creative about the ways we think that we might be involved. And if you're prayerful in that, yes, expecting the blessing of God to come on an initiative that you might have chosen to dedicate to the to the, the possibilities. Hey, we're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome back. Good good day to you both, and God bless you. And to you, Steve. What are your thoughts? Thank you. Well, first, I pray for the both of you for the strength of Samson and the wisdom of Solomon to face the many challenges that are before you in God's yeah. great kingdom. But yeah. I would like to add this. I worry about charity beginning at home. And when I hear stories of nearly a million kids, over a million children in Australia, now living in poverty, I'm wondering if it's time school canteens and tuck shops be set up so that they can... One, serve breakfast in the morning and a hot meal at lunchtime for the kids and extend that into aged care and some of the horror stories that came out of the Aged Care Royal Commission where the elderly are being fed on as little as $6 a day. What are your thoughts? Steve, good to raise those sorts of things and more a domestic issue here at home when our conversation really is more about what's happening in some of those developing lands that are ravaged not only by COVID but by rising civil unrest because of war and such things. But Ben, there is a focus on those growing levels of poverty here in Australia as well. What are your thoughts for Steve? Um, yeah, it's so important. Um, uh, when Jesus talked to the disciples as they left, he said, you know, it was start local and then move outwards. And so I always feel that God has that perspective of awareness. If you can see a problem, then we should be responding to it. And, and so there is a growing need, of course, everywhere uh, to respond to the injustice of poverty, the injustice of hunger. And so there are small steps that we can do. Maybe uh, it's it's on your heart, Steve, so maybe it's something that you can get involved in locally. Uh, I know um, the school attached to uh, my old church, you know, they used to have a, a pancake day for breakfast all the time to provide those meals. And it doesn't take uh, a huge organisation to get these things started, but we can do it ourselves. We can take that uh, step ourselves to get involved. Um, but there are there are support, I, I guess, for Feed the Hungry. There is support, there is motivation here in Australia but where we're working, uh, the refugee camp in Kiriandongo, Uganda, we are the only charity that is providing food uh, for these children. So we try to focus and, and make sure that we are uh, making the most impact that we can. Steve in Parks, thanks so much for your contribution. An interesting one, because there is, for some, a focus on what's happening here at home. Others will be saying, yes, we need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We need to be able to help our local community where there are children who are turning up at school hungry. And I hear reports from time to time of fabulous ministries that are doing breakfasts for children as they're starting their school day here. And in some sense, that's what you're doing in sort of a mass scale in some of these nations we're talking about today, a nutritious meal for them. But yes, it's it's about what we can do in our own backyard and what we can do 
in an overseas sense where some of the uh, problems are exacerbated and perhaps uh, bigger than what we even face here in Australia. Let me ask you about a biblical foundation because Feed the Hungry, a fabulous Christian charity, and uh, there are words that Jesus spoke, there are biblical uh, inspirations that we can glean from uh, from the scriptures. What comes to mind for you, Ben, as we talk about our Christian motivation for caring for the poor? Yeah, I, I, w- I was just thinking that, so I appreciate um, uh, the opportunity. But uh, I think about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and those stories in the Bible as something that's really important for me. Um, you can find it in Mark 6 if you want to read along. Uh, but the idea uh, of a large crowd gathering and the disciples saying, oh, it's late in the day, we're far away from the, the, the lotus, the, the, the closest uh, food place and lodging place. This is a big problem, and uh, we should get rid of this problem. So Jesus, pronounce a benediction, close in prayer, and send them away. Right? That's, that's their response. It's not my problem. It's someone else's problem. Um, but Jesus said, no, I want you to do something about it. I want you to feed the hungry. And they're going, well, their response, of course, is, well, it would take, you know, uh, so many denarii to feed these people. It would take a fortune uh, to feed these people. And obviously they're saying, this problem is too big. Uh, what can I do? How can I resolve this problem? But Jesus says to them, not what do you need? I said, what do you have? I think when we're dealing with problems like this, we get way too hung up on what we need to solve world hunger. What's it going to take to feed 800 million people every day? Not just once, but every day. That is going to take a lot. But Jesus is asking you, what do you have? What can you respond? And so the disciples went, got their five loaves and two fishes from that little boy. They brought it back to Jesus and for me, again, I love the idea that Jesus didn't comment on the size of those meals. He just took it. Uh, the Bible says he looked to heaven, he prayed, and he gave it out. And that's how we operate at Feed the Hungry. We take uh, your five loaves and your two fishes, and we definitely look to heaven, and we ask God for the miraculous, the supernatural, God's grace and anointing uh, to multiply this and to feed the hungry. And I think the lesson for me is always don't focus on what you need, focus on what you have, because you probably have more than you think. Okay, and so 30-odd years ago, uh, Feed the Hungry started, and uh, from what I understand now, you provided something like 34 million meals uh, in that time, or just in this past year, 34 million. So uh, in some sense, there you've got a you've got a multiplication from someone who had a good idea, saying, "Hey, let's send a container of some food over to a developing nation." But now, into these 23 nations and 34 million meals a year later, that's uh, that's a little bit like uh, the way that those fishes and loaves can be multiplied. Uh, we, we are so grateful for partnership. Uh, we actually work with a, a few charity organisations. Uh, like us Christian organizations, and they donate these meals to us for free. So we're really just paying for that shipping to get there. So it's uh, really cost-effective. It's really good. But we have to remember that Jesus said to us that we are the salt of the world, and we understand salt gives flavor, and we understand salt preserves food. Uh, so it was valuable, and, and you probably would have heard that in ancient times people were paid in salt because it was so valuable. And so when Jesus says, you are the salt of the world, 
what I see is that we are supposed to be valuable to the world. We are supposed to help the world. And so when we respond uh, to injustice of hunger, as we do, uh, we do it to glorify God, but we become valuable. So what's the use of seeing a, a man, a Samaritan, uh, that man on the side of the road who's hurt and we ignore him? What value do we provide to them? So I, I think there's opportunities for you and I to say, how can I help? How can I be valuable to my neighbour? Every now and then we need to shake ourselves and come back to some of these basics that we often think we understand about our Christian faith. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from John in Western Australia. Hi, John. Uh, hi, Neil, and hi, Ben. Uh, look, it's it's uh, amazing to <clears throat> to know what you're, you're doing right across four continents. Um, I think the uh, basic... Uh, interest I have in and for I think most of our listeners is to understand that uh, it's not about growing more food here to take it across to uh, communities right across the, the world but to be able to be more productive in what we do so we can give more of what we have in terms in financial help so that uh, you could actually engage in partnerships that will allow <clears throat> things like that you do with sustainable farming, schools, and so on, so that people who have uh, been hungry, and I know that a third of the world is starving, uh, that <clears throat> we can be more productive here to be able to help people to be more productive in their lives and get themselves out of hunger. So I'd like to hear more of the, about the partnerships that you're developing uh, with various countries, various organizations to get people out of their predicament. Good Thanks. thoughts, John. Ben, your thoughts on those partnerships? Uh, yeah, uh, I have a, a great fondness, a great love uh, for the country of Nicaragua, which is really like 40 hours flying time away, at least when I went there. <laughs> it's a very long way away. Although I did hear recently a flight from Argentina flew to Darwin was only 20 hours or something like that. So maybe next time I'll go, it'll be quicker. Um, but we are working uh, with a mighty family in Nicaragua who really have a heart. The missionaries that have moved there, uh, they're part of the, the AOG movement uh, from the United States. Um, but everything that they do is focused on building up uh, the, the countrymen uh, through the food, it creates these opportunities. And there was this precious little boy called Manuel um, who was poor. He used to live literally in one of those dump areas where you would scavenge through the dump looking for um, something that you could resell. And Nicaragua is one of the poorest countries in that region. He was outside um, Manigua, which is one of the poorest cities in one of the poorest countries. And here is this little boy looking for something to, to resell uh, to, to his, uh, the people around him. And uh, he came into contact uh, with our group, uh, a lady called Kendra, met him and brought him to what we call a, a summer camp, um, uh, like a youth camp sort of thing. And one night he responded uh, to an altar call. And uh, as he was emotionally responding, uh, you know, Kendra went up to him and was talking to him and says, oh, I don't believe the lie anymore. And 
Kendra said, Manuel, what life are you talking about? And she says, I used to think I was worthless because here I am living on a dump, searching through the dump, uh, trying to find rubbish to sell to someone else. Uh, and he just thought he was worthless. But when he understood that Jesus loved him so much that he died for him to take away his sins, uh, he realized he was valuable. He was worth more. And so that's an opportunity and an example of the heart that changes. But through that education, of course, we are transforming lives. We're giving them opportunities. Uh, there are members, uh, uh, children who have gone through a system who are politicians and doctors and lawyers and accountants, uh, that kind of aspect. But it's the partnership. We're looking to build the church uh, through the resources that we provide. We want to pro- make the churches um, be a place of physical help through the food programs, but also emotional help, spiritual help, uh, that we can I- introduce them to our friend Jesus. So you've got these like divinely appointed partnerships that grow out of the work as it started even 30 years ago when you've had people who have been benefiting from uh, being fed when they were hungry, uh, who grow up and then appreciate the good work of Feed the Hungry, and then they go on to be, in some sense here, those people who are like ambassadors for you, and they are the ones who are opening new doors and things continue to grow. So uh, those it's like organic partnerships that grow as the ministry functions. Hey, that's right. I mean, we couldn't do it without the church. Uh, We see ourselves as a church-to-church organization. We're raising support from Christians and churches here in Australia, and we're sending it to Christians and churches in developing countries so that they can distribute it because they live there. They they know who needs it most. They understand, and we are giving them tools uh, to provide help, and that helps us. You know, we have less than 40 staff worldwide because it's the church that's... um, on the coalface, providing those helps, and it helps them because it's building the church. Isn't that a powerful concept? When you partner with the local churches on the ground in these hunger hotspots, uh, you've got a, a willing and able army of workers to support the distribution. It's something you just can't do by way of government and aid and uh, paying employees. Uh, those sorts of things, they're wonderful ways. It's just one of the benefits of being in church life, isn't it? That, uh, that there is so much opportunity and so much way of getting the help to the people who really need it most. It's, it's a funny thing, uh, the idea of charity in the world today. It, uh, it really started as a Christian concept, and it was really quite strange to the people around them. But it, uh, we've got to remember that charity, at least I, I think this way, uh, that charity was one of the, the words that the King James translated as God's love. God's love in First Corinthians 13, charity. And so when we demonstrate God's love, it's through action. It's through helping people. And so when people come into the true faith, that, that understanding of what God did for them, it produces that desire to replicate and to reproduce, to be Christ-like, to be Christian. And we, we demonstrate that through the fruit and by the actions that we take to help those around us. So the church absolutely is a great place to partner because they understand it. It's not about them. It's about helping their communities, just like us here. And you've got got physical hunger 
and you've got a spiritual hunger as well. And as we wrap things up here, Ben, uh, just reflecting on a proverb out of Proverbs 22.9, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. And Mm. reflecting on Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's a satisfaction that's necessary, not only for physical hunger, but also for this spiritual hunger that's in every one of us. And uh, in some sense here, you start with the physical before you can meet that hunger for righteousness that Jesus talks about and uh, your ministry, Feed the Hungry, doing some fabulous work around the world. I mentioned you're working in 23 nations. Uh, There are hotspots, ones that you've been focusing on more specifically, Myanmar, Burma and Afghanistan. Uh, You have your own special fundraiser day that's coming up a little bit closer to Christmas called the Takeaway Hunger Day, and some of our listeners will be familiar with that. Uh, So uh, big aspirations for this year as as that's coming up? (laughs) Always, always uh, big aspirations. But it's this idea, really, uh, can you make room at your table? You know, you're going to be thinking about your Christmas feast, your family, and maybe there's a chance that you can make room. I believe that God blesses us and he blesses us so that we can bless others. So if you have that capacity to help and to share, uh, this is something our founder, Dr. Summer, always said, that in the West we have plenty and to spare and so we should share. And that's really the simplicity of the message. (laughs) Well, wonderful insights today around hunger, taking us into a step deeper in understanding the value of recognizing hunger and uh, the challenge that there is. We're motivated by our faith to reach out and to feed the hungry because there's even more dimensions that flow on from that. Ben Evans is the CEO at Feed the Hungry. Let me give you the Feed the Hungry website. You might want to connect. You might want to be a prayer partner. You might want to be a supporter of the good work at Feed the Hungry. Here's the website, feedthehungry.org.au feedthehungry.org.au and you can follow Feed the Hungry on social media, on YouTube or on Facebook, F-T-H-O-S-T, F-T-H-A-U-S-T, Feed the Hungry. Uh, Ben, just great getting your insights. I want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have a conversation with you, Neil. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.